Hello everyone and welcome to Rebel Sisters podcast where being black is about all of us from Port-au-Prince to Brooklyn from Chicago to Sarcelles. I'm Ellen Fossard and I'm Iota Van. So what are we going to talk about today? Okay. So today for our second podcast we're going to talk we're going to keep talking about France and African Americans um but kind of talk more about the history of France, its history with America, Africa, the Caribbean. And we're going to think about how colonialism and slavery helped transform France into one of the world's first superpowers. And what were the mechanisms that brought and continue to bring so many different groups of people with roots in the African diaspora to France? Finally, we're going to talk about some of the different experiences of black people in France, today and how culture and structure make conversations about racism really different than the ones we're used to having in the U.S. You know, about this whole removing race from the Constitution thing, I, I think it's super confusing, actually, for a lot of people, uh, especially if you grew up as an English speaker. Um, and so I'm kind of going to throw it back to you, Ellen. I mean, how did we get here? It just seems like we have very different ways of thinking about race, racism, discrimination. Um, Why would they even make this decision? Yeah, that's true. That's true that the conversation about race is so different, but starting with the concept of race that doesn't exist in France. I mean, it Mm-hmm. Not not that it doesn't exist, it's just that we don't use it. Um, the concept of race being like created, of course, in the late uh, 15th century to justify uh, the slave trade mm-hmm. and all the money that they were uh, making from it. But as French had like all those Enlightenment um, uh, philosophers and, and so many others, they had to abandon the concept of race and it became even more prevalent uh, after the Second World War because um, mm. race justified genocide. So um, genocide of, of, Jew, of Jew, uh, Jewish people. Let's hear Dr. Sumaro. France has a, a strong taboo um, on race and, and, and uh, the French, let's say, congressmen have just voted the erasure of the term race in the first article of the Constitution, and that is so telling about the French approach to, to racial matters. And the term race has been, uh, is going to be um, removed from the first article of the Constitution, and it, it was replaced by um, sex, I think, yeah, se- uh, sex, as if one had to choose between uh, uh, racial discrimination and, and sexual discrimination, because this is what the article is about, discrimination on the basis of origin, race, and uh, I don't know what it was, nationality or something. So now it's going to be origin, sex, and nationality. And so race doesn't exist. It does. It no longer exists as a racial category. When in the United States, you define yourself uh, um, at different levels, but also including the racial level. If you if you take a look at the census, uh, you define your ethnicity, you know, and, and your race. In France, we don't work like that. The law doesn't work like that. Our guest today is Dr. Mabula Sumao. Dr. Sumao is an assistant professor at the English department at the University Francois Rabelais in Tours, France, and president and founder of the Black History Month Association. She has appeared as a guest on national TV and radio stations in France and has taught as a visiting professor at U.S. institutions such as Bennington College and Columbia University in New York. Hi, Mabula. Welcome to our show. 
Thank you. Hello. So our first question, do you um, believe that French Black people experience and think about racism differently than African Americans? And also, if, if maybe you could speak a, a little bit to the history of Black people in France. Okay. Uh, so I think the reason why um, African Americans and Black French people have this very different approach to racial matters and Blackness has to do with history and has to do with the location. In, in the United States of America, uh, black people have been present on US soil since the founding of what was to become the United States of America. So next year, 2019, would be um, the anniversary or the commemoration of the first arrival. I think it was the first 20 Africans who were taken uh, to what was to become the United States of America to be enslaved. So it means that from 1619 on, there has been a constant presence of a black population on American soil. So even though black people have been enslaved, there were always uh, free black communities, of course. Um, people, um, African-Americans after slavery were, I mean, after slavery, they were freed, they were discriminated against, uh, they are being killed by the police to this day, you know, all the things that we know, they've always been on American soil. The difference with the French situation is that the black population or the non-whites populations in France were in what, what the French called the overseas departments. So I think it has made it very easy for France to simply forget about this slave, um, this slavery history or this colonial history. To this day, we're talking about, you know, Martinique, Guadeloupe, Guyana, French Reunion, and the former African colonies, along with the, the former Asian colonies, but they were always located elsewhere. There is a difference between continental France or, you know, um, European France and the other territories that France holds all over the world, from, you know, Tahiti to uh, New Guinea to, uh, I don't know, some, 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 some um, this island of Canada, for instance, or um, the territories I've just, I've just uh, mentioned. The story now, the situation now, is that there are more people coming from those overseas departments, whether those departments be still French, like Guyana, Reunion Island, Martinique, Guadeloupe, or formerly French, um, I don't know, Senegal, uh, Tunisia, Morocco, um, I don't know, Gabon, all, all, all those places, Mali, Ivory Coast. Those people originating recently or less recently from those territories are, not, are now more massively to be found on French soil, in hexagonal French, um, uh, French soil which means that now the questions that could be easily evacuated and forgotten about are at the heart of, uh, of the preoccupations of the French Republic. So to me, that, that explains some of the differences between the conceptions and the approaches to blackness and, 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 um, and race in both contexts. Yes. So it's interesting because when we think about France, we don't see uh, the slave trade. We don't really... Um, uh, put France in, in, in the pot, right? Um, but the same thing in between us, like when we consider each other. Um, um, as, as an African girl, you know, when I started like uh, being in touch with the French Caribbean community, mm. I, I was ignorant, young, I mean, about slavery in, in the French Caribbean. But they had it uh, bad. And, and, and slavery was, has, has a horrific... 
mm-hmm. as it was in the U.S. in the French Caribbeans, and that that's a side of history that we we don't really know. Beside, I mean, the people living in the Caribbeans themselves, uh, who are keeping the memory alive. But again, uh, France did a very good job at not transmitting, you know, part of this history. You're not going to find it in, like, you know, your school books. If you don't, you know, search for it, it won't be given to you. Up to, I would say, a few years now that we have Le Memorial Act, which is a museum about uh, Mm -hmm. slavery, which is in Guadeloupe now, and that gives you their version of history. Do we have an idea of how many black people, how many African descendants uh, we have on the, the territory no, of France? No, I have no idea because there's um, a ban over collecting ethnic or racial statistics. The, the recent, let's say, management or treatment of, of, of race in France is to be um, connected to the Second World War. There was a recognition of, uh, you know, the Holocaust, and, and, and the recognition of racial categories, ethnic categories that were created um, during the Second World War that allowed for the deportation of the Jews, which means that from the very beginning, even if you look at the early anti-racist uh, organizations founded in France, I'm talking about the late 19th century, they were you know, that there were organizations that were fighting anti-Semitism. So the anti let's say, racism struggle in France, organized, recognized by the state, was framed around anti-Semitism, which really erases everything that took place before, right? So since then, because of the shame, because of the collaboration of France between, between France and Nazi Germany, because of the shame of what happened during the Second World War, it has become illegal to collect ethnic or racial uh, information in France. So at this point, I don't know. There have been some estimates, like from five to ten percent, but I don't know. I don't. Know. It's nobody can count for sure because you do not declare yourself as black. Being black is not a legal identity in France. So some black people might not even declare themselves black. There's no way to do a census in France to find out how many black people are in France. Which is a drama, because at the end of it, it's like we're so visible, but we are so invisible and in the society. too, as somebody who's like worked in marketing and advertising, it's really hard to um, like think about products, services, media, shows, content. It's hard to justify creating any of that stuff if a population doesn't exist if I have no numbers to justify it how do I build a business case to do that um that's mind-blowing for somebody coming from the United States or actually a lot of the Anglophone countries do some kind of census reporting and I'm not saying that that's a good thing always because we all know how it's been used for for bad um but but you there you know there's a positive and negative side to every approach why is paris special for african americans do they have privileges in france that they don't have in the us i think paris is important for african americans because they've been coming to europe for a long time so since the you know 19th century but more particularly students artists intellectuals but more massively soldiers thanks to the two world wars that was the entry point of african americans in let's say the French national psyche. 
So African-Americans, in the particular context of the world wars, they came as saviors. They came as Americans. And even though their citizenship was being denied in the United States, because we're talking about the heyday of Jim Crow, they did, for the French, they were still Americans, and they were coming to give France a hand. Soldiers came, um, you know, uh, to pair, I mean, to France in general from 1917 on. That was the time of jazz. That was the time of, um, you know, the, the very beginning of the Harlem Renaissance. So they came as cultural actors, and they were not perceived in the same manner as other black subjects uh, from the colonial empire, from the French colonial empire. So they received immediately a different treatment. They were civilized. They were powerful because they were Americans. Uh, they were entertaining and they were, they were fun. So that, that's the beginning of the story. So since then, you have a history of different, different differentiated treatment between African-Americans and other black populations that you could find on French soil. And you have the beginning of the love affair between France and African-Americans. So one of the most telling examples is that of Josephine Baker, for instance, who reached you know, a status of superstar in France that she would have never achieved in the United States at the same time. Josephine Baker was, um, I don't know, adored by the French audience. She was a fashion icon. She was an actress in the roles she played on screen. Uh, she could play other blacks from the French colonial empire. She could be uh, from the French Caribbean. She could be from North Africa. So it's interesting to see whole, all the roles that she was given that were denied or that couldn't be played or performed at the time by, by other black people, and particularly blacks from the, the French colonial empire. Josephine Baker was also involved in the um, resistance movement during the Second World War. And as such, she received a medal, she received national recognition, and she had a state funeral when she was, um, uh, when she died. So it's really interesting to see that such a level of honor was bestowed on an African-American and on none, I mean, at this level, no other figure of, um, of, the, of the African diaspora that was to be found in France. Do you think that those privileges are still, um, I mean, it's still accurate in nowadays France? Um, I will refer, for example, um, to Rihanna, who's been received by the French president and the French government yes. um, accepting to uh, give some money towards her nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. So I think Rihanna is a good example. Uh, Tanaisi Coates, uh, who spent one year in France, was the talk of the town, uh, you know, the talk of Paris for one year was on all major media. Um, there was a lot of coverage of this. Um, it was for Between the World and Me. Uh, so yes, I think we're in the same tradition. It's the same thing. Rihanna, at this point, we, nobody cares if she's from Barbados or not. She's, she's having a career in the United States. She's associated with the United States, and she's received as such. If Rihanna was just somebody from Barbados, of course, the treatment would be different. So I think the story continues. And uh, and sometimes I have to say African-Americans have been complicit of this um, different treatment because they know what they have to gain and they are also aware of what they have to lose should they be um, at the level of other black populations to be found on French soil. Okay. You know, I think um, African-Americans have been kind of oblivious to this stuff 
and we don't really think about it at all. And I mean, it's not just us; it's it's mostly everybody. Um, people just aren't thinking about France in this way. I mean, I didn't think about it until I lived there. I really didn't think about this. And that's a problem. Uh, for example, African-American friend asking me, um, where shall I go in Paris where I can meet the community? Like, uh, is there like a black neighborhood that I can visit? Um, and I'm like, uh, no, there's no black neighborhood, really. Um, no uh, community. Because in France, the concept of community is immediately attacked. It's going against the Republican idea of friends that we are all equal. We are all brothers and sisters. And we are all living with solidarity. You can't claim the black community in France. It's it's something that you'll be attacked on every time you will try to utter this word. This word you'll be like, we don't know what you're talking about. There's no, there's nothing such as black community in France. So, do African Americans just like not get it? Like, do we need to sit down and be humble and listen? Because I feel like Americans can support black French voices, but, you know, maybe uh, they haven't always been very good at it. Um, but one of the examples that I like to, you know, mention is that, um, you know, even though BET France had a bumpy start, um, it's there and, um, you know, it's it's using black talent and black journalists and we have Slate France and we have BuzzFeed which shut down but um, you know we've actually the Huffington Post um, we've actually seen uh, articles and content being produced by black French voices um, and being supported by these American platforms. In France for example we consider that um, uh, black French citizens have how to to say that like they have their ass sitting on three or four different chairs which is complicated because they know usually they know where they're from right because they were not like uh, snatched through slavery mm -hmm. so they know their uh, country of origin they are living with the assimilation assimilation system of mm -hmm. France so they have to become French citizen mm -hmm. assimilated still very much visible but culturally assimilated mm -hmm. so you forget about your language you forget about like the way you dress you forget about the way you eat you become us mm -hmm. right seated uh, in uh, uh, the other char chair will be the African American chair because the only black culture in the 80s and uh, the 90s, the only black culture we could have access to in the media were coming from America. Right. We didn't have African shows or Afropian uh, TV shows right. at that time. We didn't you have... BET that was just like coming from America. Right. But there so was no translation or anything. So we it was grew just up... Like exactly. We grew up with different <laughs> strokes, weird. with like the Cosby show and with all the videos from MTV. And that was reference culturally for us. We didn't have like so much of our own like, you know, original countries beside right. what the parents was, was bringing home. But like the main general media wouldn't reflect our culture. 
we were reflected a culture that was not ours, which was the African American culture. It's very important for you to know, like, and mm -hmm. uh, because when I when I arrived in America, people were telling me about like, do you know those uh, uh, TV shows? Um, um, and 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 I was like, no, 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 I don't know this show. I I don't know this other show. Those shows were actually older than the Cosby Show. But sorry. <laughs> We we, right, got, that, we mean, jumped in the wagon in, in in the wagon in the wagon with different strokes and 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 yep. and, and Cosby Show everything before we didn't have access to it yeah. we didn't know we didn't even know right so um, the 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 Afropean culture is a mix of all of this um, is a mix of all those references what do you think? Um, black people in France and in the United States, the United States, yes, can learn from each other. Ah, I think that uh, um, it would both both sides of the Atlantic would benefit from knowing better uh, about each other. In in France, we we tend to fantasize the United States, and we tend to fantasize about you know the treatment of African Americans, like I see the quotes behind uh, behind you, I'm not a business uh, man, I'm a businessman by Jay-Z. So we have black success, Rihanna exists, Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey is there, you have actors, you have this image of black success. And what we, even though those figures matter, they erase, they erase the incredible history uh, repetition of discriminations killings, uh, bad treatment um, that the, the, the African-American community and other communities, I mean, black communities in the States now, have, have gone through. So we, because there have been victories, we tend to forget the struggle. You know, if you have, like, at the university level, you have the existence of black studies departments, African studies departments, you know, African-American, pan-African studies departments, people fought for that. You know, that was part of the civil rights movement. People died. People were assassinated. So now, of course, these, these institutions do exist. But people gave so much blood, so much time, so much ener energy for that. So from France, we tend to look at the victories. They matter, but we forget the struggle. On the other hand, I think that African-Americans would um, need to know better the French situation so that we could have a more collective, a more efficient, a more beneficial reflection on how racial categories are created and how they operate. You can use race in very different manners. And, and what goes on in the United States is not what goes on in France. But in the end, we all suffer from, from the, same, the same system. So let's just get to know each other better. Let's speak one another's languages. Let's ex exchange so that we we stop fantasizing, you know, like um, African-Americans as artists who come to France to this day, uh, you have contemporary African-American artists who, have, who, who are having a career in the United States, in France. And on the other hand, you have black people who uh, can make it in the United States, right? So what if nobody had to leave and nobody had to uh, uh, get into exile, even though you may choose to leave? Dr. Sumao underlines, when, when I'm being respected as a French black person, when I'm being respected in New York or in the United States, I know that some African-American is getting disrespected. I know that I'm getting somebody's, uh, somebody else's job.
you know what I mean? I know that I'm a convenient black person for, let's say, white Americans because I'm not part of the historical feud, right? I'm this French woman. I'm sophisticated. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, everything that doesn't matter. And they can still deal with a black person because I'm still black. And on the, in the same vein, some African-American person can come to Paris and become this lovable, entertaining, sophisticated, civilized uh, uh, black person that French people would be more comfortable with. So let's, let's stop playing that game. And let, let's understand that when I'm black in the U.S., I should uh, be in solidarity with my, you know, African-Americans or other black people, just like African-Americans here should stand in solidarity with people like me. So we have everything to gain. Why African-Americans love Paris um, and kind of where they're being a little bit blind. advancements have been overseen by a child and now you want to hand the nation over to this prince who couldn't keep his own father safe Mm? we will not have it i said we will not have it i maku leader of the jabadi tribe i accept your challenge i love what dr sumaho said it it gives me hope that there can be some kind of coming together across the language barriers, across the cultural barriers. I mean, we talk a lot about Wakanda now, uh, but still, before there was Wakanda, there was Afropunk, and there was the Nubians, and Erica Badu, and, you know, now even Janet Jackson is wearing wax fabric, right? We're living a very interesting time in 2018 Mm -hmm. uh, with the Black Panther movie, it looks like we're more uh, looking at Pan-Africanism. We're more talking about African diaspora. Uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx on stage on the BET Awards said that the movie, in a, in, a, in a sort, changed the culture. So one might mm-hmm. have the impression that the African diaspora is becoming more connected and powerful. Um, can this symbolic and cultural power mm-hmm. be transformed into a real economic and political force? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very difficult question. I think that African and African diaspora cultures are being are becoming more pop. That's all. They're, they're becoming more pop, more accessible, more visible. Uh, but they can also be watered down. It's. I think it's a good thing that the success of of Black Panther does matter. Uh, but it's it's not gonna solve everything. It's because there's this easy approach. Like everybody's Wakanda. Everybody supports Wakanda, but that's Wakanda on screen, right? If it was a real Wakanda, I think the response would be very different. So I think that, yes, people can capitalize on this increased visibility, on this increased access, on this um, increased connections, on these increased connections. But it's, it's a deeper question. It is a deeper question. We are mm-hmm. literally going to take time to dive on this subject. That's exactly why we created this podcast, so we can engage those conversations, bridge the gaps, 
and um, yeah, and bring it to another yeah. level. But then, yes. just a reminder for um, our listeners: uh, the African Union has recognized the African diaspora as the sixth region. But yes. what does it mean really for um, uh, for us, people of and, African descent? And if I may add, that recognition is from 2003, Helen. You, you know what I mean? It's been 15 years, so nobody pays attention or nobody cares. But the people who mobilized, the people from the diaspora who mobilized. Uh, for this recognition by the African Union have been doing a lot of uh, work for decades and centuries. You, you, you know what I mean? So now all of a sudden people wake up and are like, oh, there's a sixth region of the of the African Union and it's the, the, it's the African diaspora. So yes, we can, let's do things. Are people going to understand that they have something in common or are we going to stay divided by the national borders that were created? Do even like the racial category make sense in the end? You know, what does it mean to be black? Uh, what does it mean to be white? Do we want to continue on those along those lines when those lines were fabricated? They were built. They were constructed uh, constructed at a specific point in history. There were other areas in history where human beings did not define themselves along racial lines. It could be religion, it could be place birth, it could be, you know, diet, it could be, I don't know, many things. But this black and white thing, that's from the 15th century on, 16th century on, I should say. So maybe we can move on to another, um, we can also move on to another type of world. But for it to become concrete, it needs a total destruction of the system we're living under, that's all. That's because this system fabricated those inequalities. The system implies, the, the system involves all the problematic categories that we're dealing with. Yes, thank you so much, Mabula. You, you, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your expertise. Um, okay, thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to thank you again. And I mean, this is an ongoing conversation. There'll be definitely more subject to talk to, to talk about. Yeah. We'll be super happy to have a conversation with you again. No, thank, thank you to the three of you and, and uh, for having this new podcast. And I hope it goes well and travels a lot and gets translated in many languages so that we can continue the conversation. There are stories to be told. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. I can't argue with her logic. Yeah. I And... I like how she said total destruction of the system mm -hmm. so simply, so effortlessly. I mean, honestly, I could talk about this forever with her and with you, but I think we're out of time, right? Yeah, it's time. And, you know, it's crazy because she brought us back all the way to the original question about using the word race and, you know, is it appropriate? Well, I, I like the idea of tribes, you know, that like in the beginning, you know, we're, you know, living on this planet Earth as tribes, belonging to one or several tribes, by the way, and um, living together in peace and harmony um, and belonging to one human race. I think that that's the plan. That's, um, I think, the bottom line of it. Uh, so, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, it's time for us to wrap the show. Thank you for listening to episode two of Rebel Sisters. Uh, episode three is on the way. Give us your feedback and um, subjects, for example, that you would like us uh, to speak about on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and stay tuned uh, for the next episode. Bye-bye.